What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host, Steve McCutcheon, with my two co-hosts, Vito Anazelli and Michael Noen. We have another great show for you guys today. Before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. We're going to get right into the show from these notes. We have a big talking point over in the Premier League right now. And we have our second manager sacking of the year. Nuno's out at Spurs. How do we feel about that, Michael Noen? <laughs> Uh, I have to double check myself, but I'm pretty sure when this whole saga first started, I said he'd be lucky to make it. I think I said around Thanksgiving, I probably should have bet a little bit earlier because I did. I thought they gave him a little bit more time, but you know, a couple of three nil defeats, I think zero shots on target in about 90 minutes or you now of, of a game and a half of football. Um, doesn't look well, doesn't bode well, not attacking, pretty shitty. Uh, terrible manager out of his not terrible manager, but tactically he didn't know how to get the best out of the player. So it makes sense. Um, I'm happy they got rid of him because it was, he was a dead man walking in all honesty. And I'm glad they didn't drag it out. Um, if reports are to believe it's not officially confirmed by the club yet, but Antonio Conte yours truly as a blues fan is coming to manage Tottenham, just like Jose did. So at AVB. We'll, <laughs> at AVB. So we'll, uh, we'll see how this pans out, but obviously much more reason to be optimistic if the rumors are true with Conte because he is a serial winner in the prime of his managerial career at this moment in time. Um, I'll be really curious to see the dichotomy between him and Levy or if that's even a thing. And apparently he's been promised. I would assume he's been promised a lot of money. So how tight those purse strings actually are and a lot of questions, but if there's one person who could turn the ship around currently, I would have to say it's him, mm-hmm. but that if there's one team who could break Antonio Conte, it's Tottenham. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I wish you, I mean, I'm under the opinion I have been for a, a really long time that Antonio Conte is one of the best, if not the best manager on the planet. That's that guy can go into any team and he tailors his team around his players, not the other way around, not the way that some managers like to come in and, and change their players positioning and try to make them play their style. He already knows these guys strength and he's oh, coming into a team. Him. Yeah. And he's coming into a team that is not all that dissimilar than dissimilar than to how he was at Inter with the big, big, strong striker and Harry Kane. You're going to have the pace of Son, who you're going to be able to pair up with him, just like he did with Lautaro Martinez. It, mm-hmm. he's, it just is a little curious because to your point, Mike, and Antonio Conte has a history of souring with the board yeah. because he's not getting the funding. Yeah. So this doesn't seem like he's even going to make it to the end of the year at this point. It's like I, I was personally kind of thinking like, how long will it take before yeah. he gets fed up? I want to say, I think the contract reportedly is 18 months. I think he makes it to a year and then that's it. Yeah. Um, I just don't see Daniel Levy shelving out more than $150 million. And that's not, even then, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I just can't foresee it unless they either sell players, which is a possibility, or um, they get some type of naming rights deal or something along those lines, which they might be close to at this point in time. So, Speaking of selling players, obviously we had a massive saga the entire summer with Kerry Kane. Does he stay now? Um, I think this has definitely Mm-mm. got to excite him, to say the least. I personally don't think he will stay. Also, I don't think Tottenham will sell him again because he's been playing horrifically and his asking price, if he was $120 million or $130 million, he's probably like 60 right now. He's <laughs> playing terribly. Um, I, from what I read online, 
the reason Antonio Conte denied Spurs initially in the summer was because there was still uncertainty about Kane's future. And he's got that on the record saying how much he loves Kane, how much he would want to work with Kane, right. When he was at Chelsea. Um, and now because they didn't sell Kane, that was part of a big reason why he decided to come to Tottenham supposedly um, is because he has the assurance that Kane will still be there, at least for like that following tenure um, for a decent amount of time. So we'll see what happens, but um, I know kind of Vito's point, there are pieces there like that are similar to what Inter had. If you want to not like for like, obviously, but Regulon who loves to get forward, Hakimi who loves to get forward, you're just inverting that, right? Um, you have Kane who's like that Romelu Lukaku type son who can come up top. Um, I mean, Romero in the back, like there is a semi spine of a team there, but he's definitely got his work cut out for him. You think they're deep enough? I, I truly like, no, at this point, no, no, not, not, not at all. They're not deep enough at all. Not to make a serious run at anything. No, I, I, I still think this doesn't change the fact that I don't believe Tottenham will end up in the top four either. No, I, not at all. Um, I think they have a better opportunity of it, but I, I think ultimately they still fall short. Although, you know what? I, to your point, I mean, I know the, the drubbing at United was a little, little rough this week, and we'll get to that later, but you guys haven't been doing all that bad. You really haven't. Like the, your your points are being accrued. What are you in? Look at look at the stats. Are you, are you watching the same games? Oh no no oh no no. They look like shit. That's for sure. <laughs> they definitely look like dog shit. I'm not saying that, but you did. He did get you guys some results. Like I think this would have happened whether or not Nuno was at the helm or not. I really don't know uh, how much it's related to doorstep. I think those players did not respect him for a split second, knowing he was like the eighth choice manager coming in, and they got lucky with a couple of results in the beginning. Um, and in all honesty, like I, that team, you know, as evidence of Pochettino, cause a lot of those players are still there for the most part. Yeah. Like, they played when they have the right person in charge, they play better than some of their parts. Um, and I think Conte has that ability. I don't think Mourinho had that ability or at least maybe he did in the beginning, but he lost it. Nuno, Nuno never had it. Yeah. Um, so you're Tottenham's the last team without a draw this season. They usually do that though. They did like they did that last year too. Did, yeah. Right. Yeah. It took like 30 games or something. It took forever. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's the right appointment and it's the, what and I have bigger questions more of the board than anything, because, you know, they obviously wanted him in June and there was obviously all those talks about, Hey, we want to sign Conte, but Conte didn't want to come. Um, and then they went for Nuno. So it's kind of like in my head, like this is total negligence on the board and they burned six months. Of and $10 million. And 10 million. And all honesty, I'd, I'd be curious how much money Spurs have spent on managers in the past three years. Yeah. This is like their transfer budget. Cause they probably have paid more for like the, the players they've even brought in. I, th- I think Jose typically has very, very good terms when it comes to f- getting fired in all of his contracts. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I think for some reason he gets paid out very handsomely. afterwards. He does. Very Jose. It is, right? Just to, just to stick it to him one last time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But the only no, time Absolutely. Also- Conte is typically – he usually shores up the defenses anywhere he goes first uh, First off. So, we'll see if you guys just start grinding out those one nils again and then maybe just somehow start being a little bit more creative up front. Yep. Let's head over to something uh, Tottenham hasn't seen or is not going to see for a while, possibly the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday, we got Malmo. Malmo hosting Chelsea. Uh, Pulisic on the United States front is traveling with the squad back from injury. Finally took a long time. Um, thoughts on that game? Yeah. I mean, I, I expect it to be 
you know, I don't want to say a walk in the park, but another another fairly straightforward game for them. It's nice to see Pools just going. I'm wondering how fit he actually is, knowing that Chelsea are going to be without Mount Werner and Lukaku, so they need that extra little attacking depth. But I Good think it's be fine for Chelsea. I don't think there's too much resistance there. I think maybe he gets like 10, 15 minutes just to run around. Yeah. And, and assuming the game's like pretty much won at that point, um, you know, no disrespect to Malmo, but that's why I would assume he's coming just to give him that little bit of run of fitness. Right. Yeah. And then maybe at the weekend against Burnley, we'll get to that later, but probably mm-hmm. where we'll see a lot more of them. Uh, then we got a big one over in Italy, Atalanta hosting uh, Man U. Man U obviously just had that big win against them uh, after, was it, Ronaldo, was it the Ronaldo winner that game? Technically, Ronaldo, yeah, Ronaldo scored first in the volley. Beautiful finish. So, I mean, Manu's up in first place now after that, you know, shock defeat the young boys on day one. Atalanta's sitting down there in third. What do we got? You can't pick anything when it comes to this United team. You don't know if you're going to get the the 3-0 team from last week or the 5-0 loss the week before. It's just... (laughs) It's so up in the air, but I mean, they're, they're away from home and they had enough trouble as it was last time. Yeah. So I, I think, I think they're going to be in trouble in Italy. I would agree. I mean, defensively, you know, Tottenham obviously could not expose it for the life mm. of them, but the game against Liverpool, um, some of the prior games, like they've been getting bailed out by Ronaldo and Atalanta are no scrubs. They're tactically very, very well coached and well drilled and, I'm not saying they're at that Liverpool level, but they more than they're more than capable of cutting that team open very easily in the back. So, absolutely, their style I think fits perfectly to uh, be a team like Man U, especially at home, and a little bit of a revenge game too. Mm-hmm. Uh, then over on Wednesday, we got Man City, Man City hosting Club Rouge. Any anything but an ass whooping in this one, or no? Same thing as last time. <laughs> yeah, it's Man City, <laughs> and, and they're gonna be pissed. A little bit more of a uh, competitive. Oh yeah, oh true. They're coming off the Crystal Palace loss. That's yeah, just, they're not gonna be happy. That's <laughs> rough. That's rough. Poor guys. <laughs> and then we got a little bit more competitive game. Liverpool hosting uh, Atletico Madrid. Yeah, probably game of game of the day uh, Wednesday for sure. Um, I, I think Liverpool is gonna have this. Go- it's gonna be the same problem for them. Atletico know what they're doing. Diego Simeone is, Diego Simeone is no slouch. I know it's it's in Anfield this time around, but you can never sleep on a, the front two of Luis Suarez and Antoine Griezmann. So um, I think it's going to end up as a draw this time around. I can see that. They did drop points at Anfield this past weekend mm-hmm. uh, from a 2-0 winning lead. Maybe they kind of come in, they kind of have that feeling to come back. But Atletico Madrid, to your point, if there's one thing they're just amazing at, they're well coached at, they just plug every single hole defensively and they – crack you on counters so yeah. I, yeah liverpool didn't win that one until late on even with the uh the extra red card yeah. to uh, griezmann yeah as well, and i'm not so. sure they deserved to lose that game atletico no so i i could easily see atletico sneaking out like a like a, either a draw or like a one nil type of win here so mm-hmm. real quick while we're on the topic of this group uh ac milan's in this group and i just wanted to make a quick quick point that they have yet to get a point in the champions league and are one of the only undefeated teams left in the entire continent domestically. <laughs> really? That's, that's Talk pretty, about absolutely no, no status on the big stage. That's pretty random. <laughs> yeah. They're 10, one and tie with points for Napoli for like the best, the best start to the season in all five leagues. And they literally cannot get a goal. If they're like dependent on a Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Very unique. 
Yeah. I wonder if that's something you want to lead on either. Yeah. That's probably got to be like one of those, uh, like if you ever watch like Yankees or Mets growing up and they had like those like random stats where it's like, and he, when he pitches like in the seventh mm-hmm. inning and it's a blue moon outside. Yep. <laughs> he's betting 257 against lefties last Z who are also Pisces. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, but I feel you, I feel you. Let's head over to the uh the stars and stripes section where we go over any of the United States men's national team players from across the globe, some good performances and some standouts. Uh first up, gotta gotta call him out. Joe Scally had a great another great weekend. He's an in it like a weekly starter for at, over at Gladbach right now. Uh, he mm. played 90 minutes, had an assist, three chances created, eight out of 14 duels won, seven recoveries, and was even fouled five times. Uh, he also put in a, uh, a mid, midweek shift, uh, 69 minutes, when Gladbach absolutely thrashed Bayern in the, uh, mm. what is it, DF, DFB? The Pokal, Pokal, yeah. Pokal. yeah, the Pokal. So, honestly, crime against humanity, if this man doesn't get called into the camp, Greg Berhalter should immediately hand in his resignation. I don't know what else he has to do in order to get a call up at this point. He's clearly going to be able to push Jetty and Desk on both sides of the right, left, right back, left back. Doesn't really matter. This kid is pretty legit. He's only 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be curious to see, especially like on the left back side, because I think that's probably where he'd be more needed than anything. Because Jedi is in particular, you know, he has good games where he's very energetic, but. I wouldn't say the end product is always there for him. So I'd be curious to see from Scally's perspective, if he's able to really deliver the goods and help out in terms of the assists, the goals, if there is any in him. Um, Cause I think that's where he could really make his mark, at least in the U S. So if he ever yeah. wants to overtake Jedi on the left, cause I think Des probably has that right back spot yeah. pretty locked right now. So I, I think he pushes both of them to be honest with you. Je- Jetty, much better over the past six months to a year than he was previously. And he's made massive improvements. Desk, I find I kind of feel like he did the reverse a little bit, although he's starting to come back in the form now where he was always really impressive and then kind of maybe over the last six months a year, not as yep. not as well. Yep. So but moving on, we got Weston McKinney. Yeah, Weston had a good week, if even if that means Juventus didn't. Uh back to three three days apart and two uh two one losses for Juventus, but Weston McKinney on the goal on the score sheet both times. So he's having a really good week. It seems like he's Earned his place back in that team. He was a bit in and out for a while, kind of the same way he was with the United States. Although I think that situation different might reasons. Be slightly different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he 90 minutes against Sassuolo and he was on as a sub. So I mean, good for him grabbing two goals and in, in what a team in a team that's underperforming in general. Big time. What are they in? Uh like they're they are exactly Tottenham. They have ninth place with 15 points. Mm. The only difference is in the Premier League, Tottenham's like three points off of the top four. And Juventus is like 10 to 15. Jesus. Yeah. Because Napoli and um, AC Milan just, only dropped two it, yeah. points all season. Yeah. Well, that's impressive. Uh, heading over to Scotland, I think it is, right? Cameron Carter-Vickers. Yeah, for Celtic. CCV for Celtic. Uh, two 90-minute performances. He had a clean sheet in one and then also a 3-1 win against Hibernian where he also scored and had nine clearances, three recoveries, three receptions, three aerial dues, duels, excuse me, one. Um, so I guess from this perspective, Cameron Carter-Vicker, since he's made this move away from Spurs to Celtic, he's been a pretty consistent player for them. And Lights out, honestly. Given the, the, I don't want to say the woes, but the question marks, we can say that defensively with some of the center backs that the U.S. have had recently. Does he deserve some type of call-up? Does he deserve to be in that conversation? 
Conversation, yes. Call of this camp, I would say probably not. Agreed. I Although, I, if, he, if, if he was called in, I wouldn't argue it. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like Greg's got his guys. Plus, with mm-hmm. the emergence of Miles Robinson, how well he's actually done and like just came onto the international scene so quickly. Um, you got Brooks, Robinson, Richards. Brooks, you can even make a case that he's descending because the past couple of weeks, like Champions League. He's definitely out of form club, at the beginning of the season. Like, I mean, he looks just totally off the pace for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't disagree. Um, but still, he's obviously the most experienced center back we have back there. And yeah, typically, you know, besides the last month or so, he's, he's usually right on point. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, know, I wouldn't be wouldn't be upset if Cameron got called into camp. But um, do I see it happening on this one specifically? Probably not. Uh, moving on over to the MLS, actually, we got Daryl DK. He also had two 90-minute performances in the past week, scored in a 3-2 loss to Columbus, and a 1-1 draw to Nashville, which actually should have been a win. Did you guys see the ending to that Orlando game by any chance? Or no? No, I didn't see that one. Did not. So it was in a, probably, I think, a little past the 90th minute. Uh, free kick was put into the box. DK goes in for it, gets pushed from the back from a defender, so the ball clicks off the post, back to another guy in Orlando, he scores, and somehow DK got the foul called on him. Not hmm. really sure how that made no sense. Um, the only gripe I, I guess i want to say i have with dk is he's just not technical enough yet and he's he's legitimately just in my opinion a straight up poacher doesn't have any really link up abilities hold up abilities or anything along those lines which burhalter needs to see in a striker like someone like ricardo pepe who's kind of coming onto the scene right now so if he worked on the technical part of his game i don't think he's out of the question for the future for united states men's national team but for the time being he's definitely down on the pecking order at the same time yeah, I mean, when you have a player like P-Folk, who's probably the most like for like comparison for with him on our team in particular, who's got the more technical ability, um, at least given the way he plays and with the Swiss young boys, um, I feel like you have to go P-Folk in that scenario if you're choosing one or the other. If you need to bring a guy on to throw up in the box, like to get a nab and equalizer, try to go for the winner at the end of a game, it's probably the guy you want to put up there. Instead yeah. of- I agree. No, absolutely. Then we had a few uh, honorable mentions as well, Mike. We do. So Yedlin, 2-0 sh- clean sheet over Galatasaray, or for Galatasaray, excuse me. And Matt Turner, man of the match performance in an unbelievable New England revolution team uh, <laughs> and a win against Colorado. Reem Robinson together pitched a shutout, 3-0 win against West Brom. And Aronson, the stud that he is, uh, assist in a 2-2 draw. Speaking of another Aronson, too, his younger brother, I saw Paxton scored a pretty nice goal, too, for the Philadelphia Union. Um, I think he's like 17 or 18. And another one to watch. He's probably going to go to Salzburg, join his brother. Yeah. So. <laughs> he, actually, he actually scored uh, – his brother actually scored a worldly, I want to say, back in the summer, like right before he started the podcast. I mean, like one of the – like I think it was his first goal in the MLS, an absolute belter, too, yeah. to, uh, to announce himself. That'd be pretty sweet to see two brothers tearing it up on the uh, on the international stage. So. Yeah, I'd like it, kind of like the Hazard brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if one of them was anywhere remotely close to Eden Hazard, would... <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Or Thorgan Hazard. Although <laughs> nowadays, I saw it might be hard pressed to find someone who says he's better still. Fun fact: Did you guys uh, see the transfer rumors with yeah, Eden Hazard right now going on to Newcastle? It's saw Newcastle, Newcastle and Chelsea. Yeah, both of yeah. them linked to. Yeah, everyone's going to be, and their mother's going to be linked to Newcastle. Problem is, he's <laughs> making like 400,000 pounds a week. So it, there's like very few teams that were willing to take him off their hands. 
Well, Newcastle just happens to be one of them. So. <laughs> I heard they have like, a, I heard I they have a hundred car, hundred million dollar shirt sponsor coming in next season. I don't know if you guys. Hear yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> Maybe a billion, actually. <laughs> Let's head over to uh, the Barclays, Barclays Premier League weekly recap that we usually do. Uh, starting off on Saturday morning at Leicester nil, Arsenal two. Yeah, I think this uh, this scoreline is a little flattering to Arsenal. I, I mean. While they did come out and hit them early, as, as good teams do, they take advantage of that early on. Um, Leicester was very far from being out of this game. I mean, they had almost double double possession. They've outshot them in every major stat category. I think Leicester dominated them on them. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale was man of the day. He made several massive saves when it looked like Leicester were starting to gain momentum and you thought one might be on the cards. Um, still making me a little nervous right now. I, I know they're in a decent run of form, but – just because you won 2-0, you gotta you gotta enjoy the way your team's playing. And if I'm an Arsenal fan, that's a little bit of a bittersweet result for me. I'm gonna be honest. I've definitely shit on Aaron Ramsdale before. Yeah, <laughs> we but, probably have that on record somewhere. Yeah. But, but um, I will give him credit for that performance in particular. He has been lights out yeah. for Arsenal since taking over that number one spot. And the save against James Madison to that free kick was. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Um, he seems he, like one of the only players that wants to be playing with emotion on that team at all times. Yeah. He's, he looks really good in all honesty. So at first I was very critical of that signing, but he's, a lot of people questioned it though. He's, he's, oh my proving, God, yeah. he's proving to be worth the money. So good. Good kudos to him to have the mental fortitude to come back from probably a year and a lot of bunch of shit talking against him, myself included. So <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird game to see though. Cause you got Leicester Arsenal, both teams that, like we said before, between like Man U, Tottenham, there's I feel like there's a bunch of teams this year, probably between that like five to like twelfth spot in the table. You don't know what you're going to get on a given day with any of them. Agreed. Yeah, and honestly, even very to this strange. Extent, you could say the same thing about City and Liverpool. Liverpool, no. City. City I'd finds say, a striker. It's back to normal. Yeah. yeah, but they don't have them right now. Liverpool's got four draws already. They've they've drawn four of the ten games they play. Forty percent of their matches. That's not a Liverpool team. No, but still in second place, not out of it. This is true. <laughs> then we head over to uh, the best game of the year for this team. Burnley three, Brentford one. Yeah. Uh, in all honesty, I've been watching a lot of Burnley lately. <laughs> uh, not just because of Sean Dyche, but because <laughs> I've been being forced to because we got to cover all these games. And I'll be honest, this was by far the best game I have watched Burnley play this entire year. The first 45 minutes, they completely blew Brentford out of the water. They were punching, hitting him on the counterattack. Brentford looked like a fish out of water. Um, it was pretty, pretty impressive in all honesty. And in particularly someone I've been eyeing and watching and kind of talking up since they signed him, Max Cornet, that dude is on fire. He scored an awesome goal uh, for the third goal to kind of pretty much put the game out of reach. Brentford nicked one back, I believe. It was a 3-1. Yeah, it was like towards but, um, like the 78th, 80th minute. Yeah, but at that point, the game was the game was wrapped up. Cornet in particular, I think he is proving to be a real difference maker. And, and I said it before, but he's going to be the reason probably why that team stays up if he keeps performing it the way he's performing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not Sean Dyche? Well, Sean Dyche, yeah. But, I mean, obviously it comes down to the players on the pitch also. And that guy has an X factor that that team hasn't had in a very long time. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. 100%. Um, on the Brentford side, though, three straight losses in the Premier League. Is the honeymoon phase over for them? And are they about to start scrapping for points constantly? Or a little bit of an issue with the run of form and they're going to get right back at rolling? I think the honeymoon's over. 
I, I said earlier on in the season, I, th I think you can only maintain that level of fitness and that level of energy for a certain amount of time. Um, and they, I think they're blowing through the tank now at this point. If it was one or two, it, you know, a draw maybe, but now they, they were soundly defeated by a team who recorded their first win this week. Um, I think they start need to start getting a little worried if results don't start turning around pretty soon. Okay. Yeah. I think it's maybe like you hit the, I guess not the panic button, but the, mm -hmm. you know, the caution sign, I guess like we can call it that. Um, definitely a reason to worry. I think you still give it a little bit of time, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I want to let it play out a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Then we head over to, we were kind of alluded to it before, but we got Liverpool two, Brighton two. Um, honestly, I thought it was a pretty good game in general, just as a neutral, mm -hmm. neutral perspective. And Brighton took points away at Anfield for the second straight time or second straight year. Um, Henderson and Mane early strikes to, you know, get the lead for Liverpool it was two nil. I think within, was it 20 minutes? Not, not yeah, even. It, 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 they were blowing through them within It was pretty minutes. quick. But even before yeah. then, I thought Brighton had a chance or two. Um, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing White and Wempu. Scored yeah, an we'll act. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll go, we'll go with that. We scored, an, scored an absolute <laughs> worldly. And, uh, and Troy started after the break, equalized and canceled out the first two goals for Liverpool. There was three goals disallowed for this one, one handball, two offsides. So it really could have been gone either way. In my opinion, though, kind of thought Liverpool were lucky to get points. I completely agree. Allison had, if I remember correctly, two beautiful saves, especially mm -hmm. over in the first half, and maybe mm -hmm. one later in the game, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thought Brighton took it to him, had great pressure on them. The results haven't been going their way now. They've had four draws and a loss in their last five, so obviously different compared to the start of the season for them. But probably their best game in a, in, a, in a few. And like Vito said before, Liverpool finding a way to drop points right now instead of taking all three. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like this Liverpool team, it's to your point, Steve, is in previous years, if they were ever behind, you never counted them out of coming to get points, even if that just meant salvaging a draw. Now it's the exact opposite. When they're, when they're leading, they just they feel shaky in the second half of games. They feel like they, they're going to leak in a goal or two and then just change the complexion, which is what happened this week. Um. I think you're right. I mean, Brighton have been mentally probably one of the toughest teams in the league this year. How many times have they had a claw back? They've clawed back and, and gotten a win or just salvaged a draw. So. I feel you. I feel you. Mike, any input on Liverpool? Not really too much. No. Um, I mean, I get the reason for concern around the draws and things of that nature, but I still think Liverpool is at this moment in time. I think they're probably the most informed team in the Premier League, in my opinion. Um, I, I just the way they've been playing, the way Salah in particular has been playing, and Mane is clicking. Um, I, they're, I wouldn't count them out of anything right now. I, I think it was just a lapse of judgment and lapse of error. I think they're by far the best team, even though the, they're technically in second right now. I don't think they'll end there. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, Salah's having a player of the year type of year right now, so no doubt about it. He, uh, he can help carry them. Uh, then over to Newcastle, no Chelsea three. Yeah. I I don't think the uh, that country is going to be too happy with their purchase right now. Um, <laughs> they just got it. I mean they they got they got taken to the screws, man. Um, Reese James two goals, incredible volleys from I think both were outside the box, were they not? No, they're both inside, but just slightly almost, inside. Almost identical goals, one with each foot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but again, good, good credit to Chelsea. 
in the past, you feel like you felt like that Chelsea team just didn't have what it took to break down teams that were going to sit in a low block. And it was a little, it's a little nervous trying to watch them do it. You, just, you know, pictures of sorry ball all the time. Um, but finding a way to do it without, without Lukaku and without uh, Werner, Kai Havertz looks very good. Obviously Reese looked good. Um, so good, good win from them. But I think really the story here is now after this week, week's worth of games, where Norwich are and where Newcastle are in the tape, not just in the table, but actually on points. Mm-hmm. It, they're now eight points out of the safe zone. And, and the gaps, the gaps, the gaps starting to grow where previously bigger. a couple weeks ago, it was like a win. Now it's yeah. you're talking three, a three game. Difference. Yes. And yeah. I, I think now is the time to be hitting the panic button um, yeah. for this club, like big 100%. Time panic button. hundred percent. They still haven't figured out their manager yet. Have they or signed or, in terms of like a long-term they're going to come snake Conte from you. Uh... <laughs> That's honestly, I was thinking about that and I was like, he probably is just coming to Tottenham just to drive up his own price for when he goes to Newcastle tomorrow morning. Probably <laughs> smart, man. Probably. That's yeah. how to negotiate. But yeah, I find I mean... it kind of ironic though, with the Newcastle thing, like we joke about it. I don't know what the valuation happens to a club when they go from the Premier League down to the championship, but it's gotta be cut in half. Yeah, they're definitely overpaying at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, to Vito's point, though, panic button, 100% for Norwich, for Newcastle. Um, you got to be thinking kind of about that table and the points in particular. Like you said, Steve, three games, most likely, for them to even climb out of that. Um, so, and, you know, the other, the realistically, the two teams that they'll probably have to jump over, Burnley, who, you know, are not the easiest, Leeds will probably move up the table a little bit. I think Watford. what you saw Watford are actually coming out of the zone at 10 points. Yeah. But, you know, Watford, Villa, which is kind of surprising to see Villa there, but um, Watford, Villa, Leeds, right? And out of those th- three teams, you would probably take a uh, – just based on form, you'd probably have to say Watford would be the closest to drop down there. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's a, it seems like the, the gap is getting bigger for them on a daily yeah. basis. So Burnley are still in an okay spot, but I think that, to your point, we're – Newcastle, Norwich are, I mean, I don't know. You win, you win zero games out of 10 and your six points already seems like a too big of a leap to get for them to get over, you know? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't see Burnley going on a five game winning streak by any means, but yeah. if you had to pick any of those three teams to do so right now, it's not even a question. It's them yeah. versus the other two. And then Watford's probably on their way, their way down. Like you said, Leeds is, should be on their way up eventually, especially when they get Bamford back. That's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then who else is there? Ashton Villa. I, I can't, I just, for life me, I can't see them even without Grealish. Yeah, and same with Southampton. I, I don't see those teams going down. Uh-uh. So, so, so it, yeah, it, it's really looking right now. Like if what, if Watford's a weird one though, like we just said, like they can put in shifts like they did against Everton, dropping five goals and then go to the next game and it's have zero. Yeah. Weird, but very odd because of the inconsistencies, something along those lines, I could see, yeah, them, Newcastle, Norwich, in my opinion, would probably be the top three favorites right now. Heading over to uh, Manchester City, where we had the probably the shock of the weekend. Man City nil and Crystal Palace too. My boys, the Palace boys, I've been saying it, been talking them up. They got that win. I didn't want to do it on the on the bold predictions. I said a draw last week. I knew I should have said a win. Um, we were talking about it, Steve. But regardless, a great 2-0 win for Crystal Palace. Awesome game for them. Deserved all three points. And realistically, um, Zaha, you know, had a nice early goal in the sixth minute after a pretty shitty giveaway. And then Laporte got sent off for 
a pretty obvious uh, denial goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, I wasn't sure what they were trying to argue with that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know what he was really trying to get at, but, you know, whatever. Kudos to him. Um, and Connor, Connor Gallagher, uh, you know, looked phenomenal at, towards that entire game. Ended up with the late goal for Palace. Um, yeah, like we talked about for this team in particular, we'll get into City in a second, but for Palace, and this is one of those like test games where they're now kind of getting that confidence level. They're probably going to start thinking, okay, we can start closing some of these games out now, climbing the table. Um, that was a really big win for them. And I, not just from like a points perspective, but I think mentally from a confidence perspective. So yeah, I think they have, I don't have the table in front of me, but I, I want to say they have six draws, right? It's something ridiculous. Palace? They got a lot. Yeah, yeah Palace. Palace. Uh, I think they're like two yeah, six. Yeah, they have two. exactly they got, they got six. Yeah. yeah. Like, and they probably had lost, or three they of them were probably coming from winning positions. Yeah. 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 They've so drilled they, four they, of the last five games before that win. Yeah. So that's a, that's a massive confidence boost. I mean, you go away to City, the theoretically one of the best teams in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. They that got, result. Yeah. Phenomenal. The young, young squad. Yeah. It's, they're going to be feeling good. What, um, how do we feel about City in a sense, though? Because we talked about it a little bit before the no striker thing. They didn't look like anything going. I'm going to say they weren't attacking. They were definitely attacking, but going down a man didn't help. Hmm. What, I, just from the eye test, especially in the first half, even when it was 11 on 11, I thought Crystal Palace deserved three points from that game. Yeah. I, this game reminded me a little bit of when they played PSG, where I thought they, I didn't think they were the better team this day, but they were against PSG but they couldn't find a way to do it. And even, even when a team like City goes down to 10 men, you still think they're going to be able to put in a showing that's probably going to get them points off the team down in what, 15th, 16th place yeah. in the Premier League. So it's starting to become a worry. Pep's trying out a couple different things. Clearly some of his guys aren't happy. You hear Sterling talking about that he wants to maybe maybe move on from the club, play abroad. Um, and I, I think they're that team's at ends and it doesn't help that now next week they have the Manchester Derby and Laporte's not going to be in that game. Did you hear his comments? Uh, Not Sterling, but Pep, he was recently quoted by saying like, Hey, are you going to like manage city for like the next couple of years? Like, do you think you'll hit like another hundred games, 200 games, something like that? And he was like, nah, I was like, I I don't foresee that happening. Like, I think he's also kind of starting to think to like one foot out the door. What's the next project in my opinion. So, well, he was actually talking about that he was thinking of retiring when he was done coaching City, but, um, or maybe like the national team he wanted to do, I think he mentioned, but the, 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 more than the one US team. Job oh my God, <laughs> Turns I think every, I think every six. US fan would absolutely cream their pants. <laughs> and that's an understatement. <laughs> I mean, it, there was a lot of talk that he wasn't going to re sign with City after that third year, but I think the, yeah. I think he, he's now getting. That, that old Freudiola comment where it's like this guy goes and spends all of the money and just rebuilds everything the way he wants it perfectly, and then he still can't succeed in Europe with it, arguably what's been the best team year over year in the last four years, and I bet you that's in the back of his mind. I mean, it's it's that or bust. I don't, I, I don't think, honestly, I'm not, I don't want to say they don't give a shit, but if I'm them, I don't give a shit about the Premier League. Champions I've won it, what, three yeah. of the last uh, four years? 100%. It's yeah. the Champions League or nothing. That's all I, the only thing I care about if I'm that team. I mean, you spend over a billion dollars, like, yeah. same with PSG. Like, that's all you give a shit about. Yeah, that's like, all you care about. Yeah. And, and then they, they were the money guys. They were the big money team. And once PSG put that team together, you could, I can only imagine what mentally that Man City locker room sounded like. <laughs> Probably pretty empty because their stadium's not that full. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. 
heading over to a third nil. Canton, beautiful striking to the top corner was pretty much this game. This is for Watford though. Uh, Sar beat Foster and the ball was cleared off the line. And then uh, Fletcher in the 88th minute hit an absolutely lethal strike, but Foster was up for the save. Big win for Southampton, moving up to 14th at the table. They actually leapfrogged Watford with that win, so that's big for them. Um, but big, uh, big letdown for Watford, in my opinion, after the five goals they just scored against Everton. Um, we mentioned it before with the inconsistencies and stuff. So Southampton, I see staying up. I think against teams of where they're at in the table or lower, they're, they're going to get those three points because of how well they play against teams in the top half of the table right now. Yep. So good big win for them boost themselves up and give themselves a little bit of a cushion. Did you think that Southampton was a little lucky to get three points? Slightly, slightly. Cause the goal Che Adams scored was, was a phenomenal goal, but it wasn't yeah. like throughout that game. I didn't feel I'm, like they I'm remembering incorrectly. They didn't like create a ton of clear cut chances. Yeah. So. just like, it felt like Watford should have had a one or two and it took a wonder strike for them to get it. So it, it was like made me a little concerned for them a little bit still. I was curious. I just thought. Uh, yes and no. I mean, listen, it was the only shot they had on target the entire time was the goal. So in <laughs> terms of in terms of accuracy, I guess like, yeah. yeah. Like, efficiency in, in that sense. But yeah, very efficient, right? Actually, no, horrible, horrible efficiency, one for 12. Yeah. <laughs> Good accuracy on one shot, though. Yep. Um, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't have been shocked if that game was a draw. Like Mike said, it was a individual brilliance kind of moment where you got the three points. But we see that a lot from top teams too, right? That have struggled to create for the day and then an Eden Hazard pops up or Ronaldo pops up and just something something changes and you know yeah. they come up big. Yeah. So this time just having me Che Adams. Then heading over to Spurs nil, man U three. Yeah, Man United's back on the horse. Um, I mean, these both these guys are obviously the model of inconsistency at the moment. Spurs win their opening three games, and then they drop like the next three, and United can't figure out if they want to score four or let him four. Um, but it was a good performance by United. It was a little, I think, a little cagier towards the beginning of that game. Ronaldo had a beautiful volley, although the pass from Bruno was even better. Um, and from there, it seemed like it, everything just was kind of going United's way a little bit better in terms of penetration. Um, I mean, Tottenham didn't have a shot on target the entire game. They had 60% of the ball. They completed over 200, uh, 150 more passes than United. They, I mean, they, they didn't play terribly, but ultimately you're never going to, you can't win a game if you don't shoot the ball at the net, you know? <laughs> um, so you understand why Nuno had to go at the end of the day. It is what it is, but a big test for United next week now is the Manchester Derby. Um, it feels like they got a little bit of a boost with Veron back and Laporte being out for that game. But I, I don't know. It, this, it wasn't convincing from United, even though the scoreline suggests that it might have been. Yeah, they got two big games. Though. Don't forget they're flying over to Italy for the midweek Champions Yeah, and the Champions League. And then yeah. they're coming yeah. right back for the Man U Derby, mm-hmm. or the Manchester Derby. So yeah. Can't let up uh, Let up off the horse. Um do you, what do you guys think about Ole at the wheel, though? I mean, I think he's driving it off a cliff. <laughs> but, like, does it not feel like he's just teetering the entire time? It's like, up oh, one big win. Dude, one you big saw loss, Ronaldo making fun win. of his tactics on the sideline? No, no. I didn't. No. Ole standing on the touchline, like, like, after they just, after they conceded a goal against Liverpool, right? And Ole's, like, doing this shit with his hands, like, he's, like, like this. And Ronaldo's mimicking him while he's on the field, like, making fun of him while he's in the middle of the game. And I was like, if that's not a sign that your best player thinks, like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Like, this makes no sense. Then I don't know what else is. Yeah. Well, now that 
Conte, who was supposedly the replacement, is yeah. <laughs> at, at Spurs. I'm just curious. They they probably can't get rid of him at this point. I don't know who mm-hmm. they would. I don't know who they had to ride or die with him now for a little bit. So no, I'm not saying I'm not saying they can't. Like he'll probably end up fi- finishing out the season at this point. I, I don't mm-hmm. see any any other solution. Just the way their board is with him and everything. But it just feels like every other week it's just like, oh, we gotta we gotta win. He's he, his job is saved. And then next week it's like, oh shit, that performance sucked. Like we gotta get rid of him. And then yeah. again, like Ronaldo saves him. Like it's just so much. Like yeah. clearly it's not working. That game could not have come at a better time for him. He won the game. That was the only other manager in in danger of being sacked that could also get Antonio Conte. It was there was only one team that was up for grabs and it was Tottenham, and he beat them so he can keep his job. <laughs> it wasn't the it wasn't the El Saquito, it was the El Conte game. Yeah, yeah, he had the Conte <laughs> Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like like just ripped the band-aid in my opinion, but I guess I, I don't know. I don't who know would, who would you who would you think that they would be able to pull right now if they did sack him? That's that's the thing. Right now, I don't. Sir I don't think it's. <laughs> he comes back. He's like, it's been ten years, and I've left it in your hands, and you fucked the whole thing up consistently. <laughs> who else? Who was? Who was originally after? It was Moyes Van, was first, Van, right? Moyes, Moyes Louis Van Gaal, Jose Mourinho. Mourinho. Yeah, I can't it, just, remember. it was Ole after Mourinho, or was there, I feel like there was someone. It was Ole, Ole after, after Mourinho. It was Ole's okay. So Mourinho. four. All right. So manager every every two and a half years. Yeah, well, think Moyes lasted nine more. months. Yeah, right. He was he was pretty in and out. Yeah. Van Hall was there for like a couple of years, three years. Mourinho was two years or so. And, and then, I mean, and always then, been always been since then. What was that? Two years? Three years? It's probably two two years. Now, feels man. like forever. Feels like five yeah. It feels like a point. long time. I don't think that's yeah. a good thing either. Let me ask you right now, this, this Manchester United team, top four. Mm. I think their quality, their individual quality of players eventually shines through. Do I think at like, if you're telling me West Ham as a team versus Man U as a team, like West Ham's got that, but I think eventually I'm never going to say Ronaldo's not making the freaking Champions League. So, yeah, I, I agree with Steve on that. Like they're, they're going to find a way. It's kind of terrifying to think they're level on points with Arsenal in fifth and sixth place. So they're like three points off the Champions League spots. And I, don't think we ever said that about Arsenal. So I don't know if they're overperforming and United's underperforming or or what it is, but it's it's weird to see. Our, Arsenal also had a very tough start to the year. Though. Like we, we said that about Norwich. Like granted, yeah. Brentford first came back in the prime forever. You knew the atmosphere and everything was going to be ridiculous. Then Man City, then Chelsea. Like yep. not the easiest start to schedule. Agreed. But yes, no, they, they've obviously been doing much better. All right. Getting back to it though. We got Norwich one, Leeds two. We do. <clears throat> pretty dull affair in general in the first half. Leeds opened up the scoring with a pretty sweet little play that saw Rafinha putting the ball right to its home. And a short lead, or a short-lived lead, as we should say, as the home side equalized on a corner just a couple of minutes later. Uh, but then ultimately, Rodrigo restored another lead another two minutes later. Uh, a lot of action quickly with Leeds remaining in the 17th spot over three points clear of Burnley. Um, maybe this is a little bit of a revival, you know, for Leeds. It's obviously a good win, and they should be beating up on Norwich because it's the lesser team. But you know, still have a little bit of a hole to climb out of. Um, so we'll see how they're able to kind of come back and bounce from that. Yeah, I, but I'm curious what you guys think. But I think there was no surprises in in this one. I mean, Leeds, you expect them to concede a goal. They're shaky at the back. Norwich will have consistently like I'll score one goal and think we have a chance, and then we'll give up the lead and we'll lose this game. It just felt a lot more of the same for both these guys. Yeah. 
It played out exactly how I would have thought it would have played out. Yeah, yeah. That entire time you're reading that, though, Mike, when you said the tuck the ball home, all I could think about was Happy Gilmore and him yeah. yelling at the freaking butter. <laughs> I, I was cracking up in my own mind just now. <laughs> <laughs> Getting your own ball. <laughs> Heading over to uh, Ashton Villa. We had them one, West Ham four. Uh, ben Johnson opened up the scoring seventh minute for West Ham, just cutting inside and firing home. Watkins equalized. After that, then, though, it was all West Ham. Declan Rice had a nice banger from outside the box. And right after halftime, Kanza got sent off for a red card um, for, I think it was an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Mm-hmm. And West Ham, after that, sealed up two more and got the all three points. What's going on with Villa? We already brought up a little bit. What's happening with them? Everyone some, had them. Some injuries, uh, like to Leon Bailey, for instance. And I think they're still trying. I think Ollie Watkins, too, if I'm not mistaken. Or He's Ings, back one- now. He scored this weekend. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been the injury issues and they've had that bug, but I think tactically they're still trying to figure out their best formation and how they want to play post Grealish. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying like, to f- find the person who's going to step up and like be that playmaker for them. Yeah. Like, I don't think they spent the money wrong. I thought they actually did a very good job bringing in quality players. I yeah. just, like, like you said, maybe tactically, it's just, it's kind of an issue right now. They just don't know how to utilize them all together exactly. at their best positions necessarily. Exactly. But 15th, I think they're 15th or 16th. A little scary for them. Yeah, they're about 15 right now. They're, at, they're, I mean, they're only sitting at, I think, 10 points right now. Yeah, they're, at the at, they're at 15 at 10 points. Yeah. So, I mean, they got a lot to worry about. It, four games in a row without a point, tossing a red card and leaked in what, three, seven, oh my God, 10, 12 goals in those four games. Those are Tottenham numbers right there. They are Tottenham numbers. And Tottenham, as <laughs> we put, well, they put the least amount of development, but still. <laughs> yeah. I'm Reasonable not too worried about it. I think they'll turn it around. Agreed, agreed. And then props to West Ham. They actually back up in the fourth and a Champions League spot, which they held for the majority of last year, it felt like. Yeah, until they until met Chelsea. Last five, six, or yeah, probably five, six games of the uh, mm-hmm. season. And then the last game of the weekend, Monday Nighter, we had Wolves versus Everton. Oh, yeah, we did. Great game. Um, so pretty much from right from the beginning, Wolves in the first 45 minutes blew the roof off of Everton. They looks like Everton had never played a game before. And I'm going to be honest, they could barely touch the ball. Um, Jimenez got a nice little chip for a goal for the second goal. First goal was from, I believe, Kilman, if I'm pronouncing the last name correctly. Yeah. I uh, had a header on the back post, um, which was horrendous, horrendous marking by Everton for that goal. Uh, I think they had like four players around him, but every single one of them whiffed on the header and he just tucked it home. Um, they ended up making one goal back through like a little bit of like a deflected shot. But for the most part, Wolves were able to see it out. They were, they looked by far the better team, at least through the, let's say three fourths of that game. There was obviously that 15 minute little interval where everything were pressing. And once they introduced Fabian Delft, they definitely looked like a better team. However, uh, it was just way too much in the beginning. And some mental mistakes, unfortunately, cost Everton potentially a draw or a point of the monolith. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't like to harp on it because every time they bring them up, I say the same thing, that, that same story as the last couple of years. Every time there's a couple of injuries to that team, it just kind of falls apart for them. Um, and I thought they did a better job at plugging those holes up this year, but it looks like it wasn't enough. I mean, Damari Gray um, – has been good for them for most of the year, but these last couple of weeks, I feel like he has, hasn't shown up. Streaky. It's very yeah, streaky. Very streaky. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. 
Uh, so yeah, he was looking worried. like the best signing of the prem for a while, and now he's he just he's fading a little bit. I mean, it was also yeah, very yeah. hard to keep up the pace he was at. Yeah, I mean, they're they that team that Everton team lets in a lot of goals. Um, good for good for Wolves, man. They, I mean, glad to see them doing it. I thought they were playing well when they weren't getting results early in the year. I know I think you guys were saying that uh, yeah. offline before that. Yeah, but um, Everton's let in what sixteen goals this season. It's the most by the top half of the top table team and the top half. So, yeah, I don't know. Very uncharacteristic of a Benitez side, too. Exactly. I mean, to put that in perspective, Burnley's let in the same amount and they're sitting in the relegation zone. Yeah. I mean, like to kind of go back on Wolves in particular, um, I mean, we've been saying this, like you said, Vito, like the beginning of the year, they were obviously not getting the results, but Bruno Large in particular has that team Mm -hmm. playing a specific type of way. There's an identity and yeah, look, they, they all bought into they're it. frightening they, right they, now they, they look fucking dangerous yeah. on the counter like dangerous they don't even have triori playing really either in that team which yep. is even scarier um it's, it's because of the third deadliest yep. korean baby he I, know, I know he's he's been a revelation too in all honesty he's been a workhorse here um so that team looks pretty good they're sitting in seventh right now i think they're on a six game unbeaten streak or something along those lines if i'm not mistaken that sounds about right for him yeah, I mean they they're playing lights out. So, well, I uh, they're back in the European spots, so good for them. You know they had a rough season last year, not 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 qualifying and everything, especially after such a nice revival uh, for the club, the previous mm-hmm. one. So, and plus losing Nuno, yeah. who was like their head their head guy. The, well, that might be a blessing in disguise for them. <laughs> maybe maybe, poor guy. Yeah, <laughs> he had he had everything. Um, let's head over to our bowl predictions for the week and the upcoming match weeks. Um, first off, on Friday night, we got Southampton versus Villa. Mm. Is it too? Is it Southampton one 0 win? Is that too too tough to? I don't know. I I want to go Villa on this one. I think I think it's their due to snap the streak. I know they're away in the South Coast uh, out Southampton, but I think this is the the game where they turn around. I know they've had that red card. Time, um, Mings was kind of an issue for a while, but I think he's going to be – not Mings. Oh, my God, I can't remember his name. Kanza had the red if you're talking about him. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name. But um, I, th- I think they pull it away. I go, I give him a 2-1 win here. Something about Southampton, the way they grind out wins, like we were just talking about, or not even wins, but the draws in particular. Um, I – have a very hard time seeing them not getting a draw in this type of game, given that Southampton has the ability to score, um, you know, not necessarily a ton of goals, but defensively they're pretty resolute, or at least it seems like they can be. Um, Villa known to give up a goal or two. They're kind of streaking in the wrong way. So I'd probably say like a one, one draw here, something along those lines. I would take the Southampton win. If I was betting on the game, just throwing that out there, I'd probably take the Southampton uh, win or was it draw no bet? Whereas, like, if, if the game draws, yeah, bet, uh, bets funded back, but um, yeah, I, I, I find it very hard. Southampton's not getting, getting any points from this game. Mm-hmm. Then, Saturday morning, they kick it off. We got the Manchester Derby, man, you hosting Man City. Mm-hmm. Who's showing up? Well, I, <laughs> I think they both are. I, I know I know we United have their problems. I know we talked. We just spent time talking about each of these teams and their problems. But when it's the Manchester Derby, it is really hard to bet against Manchester United. 
I just have a really tough time with it. I think they're going to be able to take this one. Uh, not, not win it, draw, draw. I'm going to say that not only do they lose this game against City, but they probably lose against Atalanta in the midweek for the Champions League. Think they're going to lose and both games? I do think they will lose both games, yeah. Wow. And I get the feeling that they're going to lose to Man City pretty badly. Like a three, like a three nil loss or like a pretty convincing two nil loss where they just don't get the ball after city scores, like in two minutes, it's like two goals. So uh, that's the way I see that playing out. Okay. Just defensively, they just have a ton of issues. And those two teams in particular, I just see them carving right through that defense. So, and that McFred midfield, if that's what he chooses to only chooses to roll with. So. A McFred midfield would be very, very <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> that's almost like day. drunk. That's drunk driving at the wheel. Always <laughs> <laughs> at the wheel, Mike. <laughs> a few too many Heinekens from uh, the Champions League midweek game. Yeah, well, we're going to have to drink them to forget. So Possibly. Uh, I'm going to take the Man City win as well. Probably like something like a 3-1. I think, man, you nip something out of this. Take the over. I definitely see goals uh, flying in regardless. I wanted to take the Man City win too, but I can't. <laughs> I can't. That's all right. Then we got Chelsea hosting a very tough Burnley team recently. Mm. Yeah, I'm Chelsea. giving it to Chelsea. <laughs> I want to. I, I want to give Burnley a fighting chance here, um, but I think they blew their load against with that game <laughs> <laughs> they just played last week. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna have to say Chelsea. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, interesting matchup. We got Brentford hosting Norwich. Brentford struggling recently, and Norwich uh, just struggling. Yeah, I, they're both not having a too good of a time of it. But um, I, I will never pick a team to win that has won zero games out of ten so far and has accrued two draws. It's, I, I mean, logic would say that Brentford's about to stroll over them, but you never know. But I think Brentford will take all three points here. I think this is going to end up being about a two-one game. I would have to agree. It's hard to really bet against Norwich until you see the proof, right? The proof yeah. of the pudding. Um, so with that in mind, I, I think there was only one result, and that's a Brentford win. Yeah, I'm with you guys. If Norwich was at home, given Brentford's current form, I might say draw. Agreed. But no, nah, Brentford at home, I think it's a bounce-back game for them, and they can kind of you know right the ship a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then we got a, actually a really good game, I think. Crystal Palace hosting Wolves. They definitely match up together mm-hmm. very nicely. This will be like a pretty good tactical tactical matchup. Um, two teams, one coming off a really big high of beating Man City, the other one coming off a pretty honestly solid win against Everton and playing really well in a solid form. Um, I could see this game going a lot of different ways. I could see it being pretty wide open in general, um, but I think this is one of those games where Palace just came off of that win. They're probably going to be on that high. Um, and I think just slightly wolves is a little bit better of a team. And I see wolves squeaking out like a one nil win in this potentially, um, probably under some like bullshit header, like late on in the game where crystal palace could have maybe got a point, but you know, it's just like one of those learning experience types of games for them. So I'm going to take that exact same game flow that you did. I think the wolves <laughs> header at the end would be just to draw the game and crystal palace loses it. Or doesn't lose, but 
uh, loses all three points and then comes away with one of them. Uh, I'm, I'm actually with you on that too, Steve. I don't, I don't think that they're going to, it's going to be a last second affair, but I think it will end up as a draw. Uh, I think palace are probably better disciplined than wolves, but their back line still makes me nervous, even though they just shut out city too. I know it's saying something, but um, I think it's going to be a draw as well. Yeah, definitely should be an N10 game. I don't know if a bunch of goals will be flowing into the net, but I think we're going to see a hell of a lot of attacking in there. Yeah. yeah. Mike, you said Wolves. You think Wolves are going to take it? Yeah, Wolves probably one down. Okay, then we move on. We got Brighton hosting Newcastle. I mean, mm-hmm. Brighton have been struggling, but can you really say anything other than a win? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Nah, it's, I'd say a Brighton win. <laughs> yeah, I think it's- yeah. Unless, unless Alan St. Maximin just has pulls a, magic a rabbit, moment, pulls a rabbit out of his hat. I, I don't see anything other. He goes full Demba Ba, curling one outside the foot, outside the box. yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, what's that? Then we got Arsenal hosting Watford Sunday morning. <sighs> Draw. I'd say Arsenal win. They're, they're in a team in form right now. Arteta's got him playing well. Um, I, I think they get the win here against Watford. It would 100% be a perfect letdown game for Arsenal. Yeah. But I, I think they're just too much better or just too much more, more quality than, yeah, Watford is. So I'll take the Arsenal win. Um, Everton hosting Spurs. Uh, mm. <laughs> that's mm. a toughie. Yeah. Shitty defense of Everton versus a pretty shitty defense of Spurs, but. You know, again, it's not confirmed yet, but if rumors are to be confirmed tomorrow morning and it is Antonio Conte, you best believe that those Spurs players are going to be playing for their uh, jobs. Their job. <laughs> their life. life. That guy's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like there's going to be a major bounce in this team that game. Um, I would probably say like a 2-1 win for Spurs. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the manager sack bump. That was a weird yeah. sentence. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I think Spurs are now gonna be a little more free flowing, a little more energetic. And I think they all know they're playing for their lives at this point. So yeah, I, I can see that as well. Uh, I'm gonna take the draw. I I don't know. I can see it. I can this is a tough one. This is like the only one I didn't have really one either way, you know. Yes, yeah, this, this is an absolute just split decision on the, in the moment right yeah. now. I'm just, I'm just gonna take it. They're both very, very level footing at this point in time. I think just a lot. Just it just feels like one big mess for yeah. both of them. That's really it. Uh, moving on, we got Leeds versus or Leeds hosting Leicester. Mm, I mean, Leicester looked very good against Arsenal. Leeds did get the win. Um, I think Leeds probably do not get points against Leicester just given the way that they were playing and Leicester probably be pretty unlucky not to get any points against Arsenal um I think this is kind of like a revenge game for them and they'll probably sneak away with like two two one three one some type of win in that scenario yeah I'm kind of with you on now I think a late Vardy party um kind of situation goes on yeah I'm the opposite I think Leeds are going to win this game I I've of all the games I watch, very few of them, like crowd atmosphere, I'm, I'm actually like astounded. And I, I'm like, Leeds astonishes me every time. That, that fan base loves to get behind their team. I don't think there are any slouches. Um, and I think Leicester are just too inconsistent um, to be playing away from home after that 
just heartbreaking loss. Okay. And the last game of the week, probably the probably besides the Manchester Derby, probably the match of the week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, West Ham versus Liverpool. Yeah, Moyes has got West Ham playing extraordinarily well, but like I alluded to earlier on this podcast, I still think Liverpool's the most informed team in the world, and I think the most informed team in the world is going to have a bounce back. Um, probably, like we said, it's going to be a much tougher game against Atletico Madrid. There might be a little bit of a hangover, but I still see them somehow squealing a win out and squeaking a win out in general. So I'm going to take a 2-2 draw. 2-2 draw, Steve? Yeah, why not? I All like right. West. That's a, lot, that's a lot of goals for a Liverpool I, team to give up. Yeah, I, I was and actually leaning back recently a lot between that as well. Um, they're not in Anfield either. I, I like that pick, Steve. The draw. Saeed Benrahma, baby. Coming in hot. Colonel one from outside the box. He had an assist this past weekend, just saying. Yeah. I always got to bring it up. I know. <laughs> heading over anymore. Uh, heading over to our final thoughts. We got the prediction counter. Me and Mike tied with 48. Vito with 46. We're not quite beating the bookies yet, so please don't spend your money on us and what we're doing. It's clearly not going to work in your favor. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. This is not betting advice. <laughs> what um, what else you guys got before we end the show? Um, more or less excited to see the U.S. roster drop and see what that looks like. I believe it should be happening later this week, but yeah, <clears throat> we'll see what happens. And we'll probably have a podcast dedicated to that in particular. But um, I want to see a couple of names on there and we'll get into that a little bit later. But should be interesting with Berlhalter and company. So, yeah, I agree. I think that's my big, my big uh, point for the week as well. Seeing if, like, especially to see if Pulisic is going to be on that list, knowing knowing that he's traveling for Champions League, but maybe not wanting to risk an inj- another injury when you still have a couple more qualifiers left. Mm-hmm. It's Mexico. I uh, you bring your best lineup. I think so too. I think so. The only too. person I think yeah, Rain is still out with his hamstring injury, right? Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's not. Yeah. He's not playing. He's more like he's not, he's not fit enough. Yeah. So other than him, yeah, you bring, you bring the top guns. Yep. Yeah. So that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday league screamers podcast. Give us a like comment or hit the bell and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere else you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the SL screamers underscore pod for daily tweets, updates about the show and world football in general. I'm your host, Steve with Vito and Mike signing off. <laughs>